Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing, uh, craft and business of writing, but also, of course, most importantly, the writing life, just what it takes to be a creative person. Keep your sanity about you. Uh, but we also feature video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You know, this month I got two of them, two of them, uh, David Laskin and uh, author of What Sammy Knew, uh, talked about going from writing nonfiction to his first novel. Uh, and, oh, what a great conversation. And then uh, Martha Beck, I took our conversation, which I use as a podcast, and I put the video up there. Martha and I talking about uh, her great book, um, The Way of Integrity. Oh, what a great conversation. Those are two great conversations, people. They just are. And they're all for you. You can go check them out for free over at authormagazine.org. And we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association who have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. We're gearing up. I guess we're not going to do a little mini conference in June. I know I've been saying we have, we're going to. We're not, but I'm sorry. You know, I'm not on the inside on these things. But we're definitely doing our conference in September. It's shaping up to be a lot of fun. And I'll be there in some function or another. And I hope you will, too. You can sign up for it at pnwa.org. And you should, because it's a great organization and a great conference. And that's, that's all there is to say about that. Okay. Hey, we got a good one today. Uh, do I have anything coming up? Oh, what do I have coming up? Oh, that's right. I got a book coming out in June, June 1st. Everyone has what it takes, a writer's guide to the end of self-doubt. You can pre-order it. Yes, you can. Uh, the link to it's on my webpage, williamcanard.com. You can get it from Amazon or Walmart or Barnes & Noble or Powell's or any place that sells books you can pre-order. Or you know, it come out, doesn't matter. Uh, yes, June 1st. Pre-order it now. Be one of the cool kids and get a copy early. Uh, what's going on today? We've got Jamie Beck. This will be a lot of fun. Jamie is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author, and her realistic and heartwarming stories have sold more than 3 million copies. 3 million people. She is a two-time Booksellers Best Award finalist, a National Reader's Choice Award winner. And critics at Kirkus, Publishers Weekly, and Booklist have respectively called her work smart, uplifting, and entertaining, in addition to writing novels. Just so you know, she enjoys dancing around the kitchen while cooking and hitting the slopes in Vermont and Utah. She's a well-rounded person, you know. Above all, she is a grateful wife and mother to a very patient, supportive family, and she's with us today. We've got her today. Not her wife, not her family. Us. Yes, there she is. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for the nice introduction. It's ha it's nice to be here today. Well, it's good to have you. Is that family of yours really supportive, or do they just say, Mom, just <laughs> we don't want to hear about your stories. We don't want to hear about your Amazon. We just how supportive are they? Really, you can tell me. It's just the two of us here. They're actually they're not supportive in that way. They're not great cheerleaders, but they're supportive in that <laughs> they don't get upset when I'm unavailable. <laughs> so. Ah. Um, you know, so, and not to say that they're never great cheerleaders, sometimes they are, but, well, you know, everyone's busy doing their thing, but they don't, they don't make me feel bad when I'm traveling a lot or yeah. when I'm, you know, under deadline and I, I'm not that available. So they've been great that's good. about that. That's yeah. good. My wife, I love my wife. 
great person, another writer also, but she's not read my stuff. She doesn't watch my interviews. She doesn't listen to my podcast, but she loves me. <laughs> and she just lets me, she gets enough bill. She doesn't need to read my story. Does your husband read your books? He read the first two. And then, right, you know, but good. my first two were romance novels and, and he's, yeah. he's not that into fiction. He prefers nonfiction. And, ah, and so and every guy in the world, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he sort of, you know, he, he put a good faith effort in and I said to him, right. you don't have to, you don't have to do this. <laughs> right. So, right. Hey, he's a yeah. good guy, clearly. Okay. Well, so, so here you are. I, I was, uh, I had to get out my abacus to add up how many books you've, uh, you've published and it's a, quite a few uh you're not old enough to have written all these books but you have uh so we're in like 20 books in or so give or take where are we i think we're a little less i i actually haven't counted but i i want to say maybe for all she knows was number 17 right. yeah that looks like yeah. so um that's still pretty that's, good yes and yes, it happened and... quickly we, I did, but you, but you didn't come straight out of college with your MFA and start publishing novels. You spent ten years toiling in the uh, law salt mill, did you not? I did, I did, and it oh, is, man. it is a salt mill. Of six minutes of every, you know, you have to bill every six minutes, so you have to really oh, keep track of your time. <laughs> I right. don't miss now, that. No, well, you know, you're like a lot of uh, writers I know who were good students, smart people storytellers, ambitious, and they're like, ah, writing, that seems a little dodgy. How can I put this brain of mine to use? And they go into law. Were, how were you? Were you, was that, does that describe you at all? What was your journey? My journey was um, when I was young, you know, great, uh, not grade school, um, high school age, I actually loved making up stories but i thought i wanted to write for television or film i loved right. dramatic movies and yeah. and dramatic tv shows and i would always kind of in my head do my own fan fiction like they should have done this and they should have done that and he should have right done this. yeah so i expressed that interest but my family um is not a creative type right. of family and they wanted the safe path and so my father yeah. very strongly persuaded me to what go did he do? And what was his deal? What was his? He what was is his... a real estate developer. Okay. All right. So, so but he was a stockbroker. He was a very uh, entrepreneurial person, and right. as was his father and my stepfather. Right. And so I had all these business people in my life and advising right. me. So hence the law degree and the MBA, and the oh. corporate law. Oh, career. and an MBA. Yeah. And an MBA. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. So you were. So, you were. You were so you were hard. So for about ten years, you're in your twenties, early thirties, and you're doing it. You and you and your husband are just working your butts off all the time. We're having right? that, yeah, that kind of career. Uh, and then I got pregnant, and uh, okay. I was very fortunate to have the option um, to be able to stay at home when my daughter was born. And uh, I thought about part time, but anytime I saw a lawyer, particularly a female lawyer do a part-time thing. She basically was working for full-time for part-time pay because yeah, no one respected yeah. the home hours that much. Right, so right. I thought that's not going to work. And right. plus it was fun, you know, at home with kids when they're little and learning all of that for the first time, being part yeah. of all that. But by the time they hit grade school, I was getting very bored because there just wasn't enough to do. You no. know? I mean, there was a lot of tedious things to do, but there wasn't enough no. No, it's just true. You know, I, I raised two kids and, you know, I, 
Hello? 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 Oh, oh, no. I lost you for a second. There you are. <laughs> oh, oh my God. That was scary. Okay. Everything seems to be working. Okay. No, I'm back. Okay. okay. I was going to say, I raised a couple kids, um, and uh, it was very natural for me to do, but it can get boring. I mean, I mean, it's just that they, it's, it, it's, it can be, it's like, it's like necessary work, but it can get a little dull because you miss adult, the adult experience, which is I a different thing. I- you know, well, they, just, the mental stimulation piece is yeah. very different. And, um, and I actually, this is going to sound strange, but I, you know, my career, I was a lawyer in the early 90s and up through, yeah. you know, the late 90s. And uh, it was still a male dominated, a lot of the firms I worked in. And, and so I, but I had these great relationships with all these really smart men, you know, these right. interesting conversations over lunch and over, over projects. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, in mommy and me groups talking about, you know, what kind of food to give the kids and all this. And so after years of that, I just was like, I need more, you know, mental stimulation. And so that's when it was like, maybe I'll try to write a book. You know, I always wanted to write. Maybe now's the chance. So that's what happened. I wrote it in secret. I didn't tell anyone because in case. Oh, see, that's smart. (laughs) That's smart. Oh, man. I wish I had done that when I started writing my first book. I told everybody and it just, it just was a, it did not turn out well. So you were, did it in secret. Did you tell your husband? I didn't tell him until I was yeah. like at the three quarter point and I knew I would finish the draft. Right. And then right. I told him and my mother and then okay. it wasn't until I finished it and then thought, well, what do I do with this now that I started telling a few friends and it right. was, you know, it's under the bed. It will never be published. It was oh, not okay. a great it was not a great work, but it got me so excited. And I kind of did this backwards because I just went with my natural instinct for telling a story and I wrote it. And then, then I was like, oh, I need to learn what to do with this. And then I started taking workshops and reading craft books and, right. and learning everything I did wrong. But I'm kind of glad because had I tried to do it the right way, I probably would have been intimidated and, and kind of frozen up a little bit because it would have felt more overwhelming. Yeah, and the joy I, I, of I, it wouldn't have been there. Yeah, I think it's better the way you did. I mean, I, I myself have never taken any classes because that's just how I am. I'm very stubborn, but I teach <laughs> classes, so I don't. I'm not opposed to them. But I do think you got to get, you got to let yourself just dive in and know. Ultimately, you're doing this on your own. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's you and the and the manuscript, and you got to know that you can do it on your own. Can find the enthusiasm for it on your own. Right. It was a pure joy project while I was doing it. And I think even the secretiveness of it was sort of half the fun for me. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because I had this little thing that I was doing that nobody really knew. And it was it was just a fun time. And then, you know, and then but but I I love the workshops and the the community that I found through writing groups and workshops and and, um, conferences and things like that, which then helped fuel keep that sort of enthusiasm going in the face of rejections and, and right. all the things that happen before you actually get an agent and actually get a publishing contract and all of that. So, um, right. yeah, I felt very lucky, you know, my path worked out well for me. That was a process that worked for me. It wouldn't be for everyone, but it, it worked for me. So, well, yeah. So, and so you, and your first two books were romance novels. Was that what you started writing or did you realize that once you started telling stories, like I, did you read romance? Was that one of your, 
I wasn't a big romance reader, and I didn't actually think I was writing romance novels. I just thought Uh I was telling, like, family stories or just stories with romantic elements. And actually, my agent had trouble selling the first book that she, like, the book, the manuscript that got me my agent, when she took it out to publishers, the romance editors were like, it's too women's fiction-y for our line. And the women's fiction editors were like, it's too romance-y for our line. So I was like right in the middle at a time when genre-blended novels of those types were not a thing. I I was coming out into the market, like trying to get into the market around the 50 shades era, like when that book really hit. And so, you know, you were either squarely in the romance and the high heat romance was the hot thing then, or you were writing like serious women's fiction, but there wasn't this market, or at least they didn't think there was a market for these in-between stories. Um, But then I got lucky, uh, you know, my, my, my story to publication was kind of twisted and the book that no one wanted, my publisher took so I wouldn't self-publish it before they brought out the book that they liked better. But the one that nobody wanted oh, is the one that broke me out and sold a lot of copies really quickly and kind of got me my audience. So I, I, I had faith in that little book, and uh, I, was, I felt very satisfied when uh, when it resonated so widely with other people. So Right, right. Well, that's, you know, the publishers, God bless them, you know, I'm very excited to be working with the publisher I'm working with now, and and but they don't know. I don't. Nobody. Nobody really knows what's going to work uh, until it works, and then it's very obvious, you know, that it should work. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought Fifty Shades of Grey would do what it did, for instance? Yeah. For instance. No, right? and you're right. If anyone really knew, if there was a formula. Um, everyone would replicate it and there would always be bestsellers. So there's just these indefinable um, things, magic, little touch of magic that happens. I think certain elements have to be there, you know, for it to work. But basically there's, there's always some factor that comes into play, whether it's timing or whatever that makes that difference that you can't really quantify. So I feel, like I said, I feel like I got lucky Time nah, wise. Nah, I don't believe in luck. Horse <laughs> hockey. I don't believe in it. Here's what I do think. I, here's what I do think, Jamie. I think everybody, and I am the, I am the patron saint of people who try to write books that they shouldn't have been writing. That, that you've got to write the book you want to write in the way you want to write it. And if you really let yourself do that, the, then it will find its way. That, but you can't imitate someone else, and they can give you all the formulas in the, in the world that you want. But it's got to be the story you want to tell in the way you want to tell it. However, that is, it's got to be true to who you are as a storyteller. And that is what brings the magic. I firmly believe it's when you're trying to get outside your comfort zone or outside your, what you're meant to be doing that it, get, it kind of goes sideways. What do you think of that? I, I probably agree with that. Um, uh, uh, you know, I would say I would agree with that. Um, although I do like to try to stretch myself sometimes into new territory sure. that maybe is not as comfortable or as natural so like I said I wrote uh, you know about a dozen romance novels and then I was like I think I'm done with these romance and these genre blended romance I want to move into women's fiction which is a new market a new different type of reader and you know part of me wonders you know am I going to be able to succeed here because my voice maybe works better for a romance market and a romance reader than for a book club type reader. Right. So, 
we're, we're you know we've yet to see. I'm I'm happy to see these books are getting nice. You know, readers seem to be liking the story, um, but they haven't popped the same way that some of my romances have. So I'm, but it's the pandemic year. It's hard to judge anything right now. It's hard. I really, no, you got to yeah. see it. it I would. The main thing you want to pay attention to, I think, is how interested are you in telling them? I, I do you know Jane Porter? She's a yeah, romance. She's okay. lovely. She's a lovely yeah, person. Yeah, I love Jane. And she, I was talking to her about the same thing because she started in the romance. She wrote a ton of them. Yes. Just a ton yeah. of them. And then she moved into what was called at the time mom lit because I think it was sort of a branch off of chick lit, but it was for people who were married as opposed to young and single. Anyway, so she had started writing these things. And she said to me, she said, look, I love the romances. They're like fairy tales. I think they're like, I love fairy tales. That was her version of the ro- of mm-hmm. romance. She says, but, you know, life has some darkness to it. It's not all what I'm a, I can put in those fairy tales, so I have to write about that. And so I, so she started writing about, you know, women in the suburbs like her who were going through the kind of stuff she was going through, and it meant right. a lot to her to let her to to do that. And I think, I think if you feel that urge, you've got to follow it. You know, I just think That's you've got to follow exactly it. Exactly what I did. So yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the gamble I took, and I'm, I like I said, I'm, I'm super proud of the book that just came out because yeah. it's a story that had been on my mind for a couple years, and um, I had to be very careful in the writing because I didn't want it to be preachy. You know, it's a topic that could yeah. be preachy, yeah. so I yeah. really worked hard to set it up in a way that it wasn't at all preachy, but just really raised questions for people to have conversations Um on how we parents go about trying to keep our teenagers safe from risky behaviors. And, and yeah. um, so anyway, so I'm, I have no regrets about it and I'm, you know, I'm happy to have written the books and exactly what you said, like you have to, I have to have something to say, like even my romances, there was always a message and I tried to deal with issues like infertility or alcoholism or mental illness or something that I know people out there are struggling with because for me it could never just be, you know, a tropey conflict that's keeping a couple apart and how right, they overcome right. that. I, I wanted right. there to be more teeth in the story. Yeah. Um, yep. And there's a place for those tropey books. Like sometimes you're sure. just in the mood for something fun and romantic and fluffy and I, so I'm not I'm not like being down on those books, but it just wasn't, that's not my personality. That's not the story that I would ever tell. So that's, I'm just saying to your point earlier, I I do agree a writer has to write what's true in their heart. Absolutely. Because it's the only thing thing you're going to be any good at anyway. It's the only thing you're really going to be able to do. (laughs) Because otherwise you're going to be fighting against yourself the whole time you're writing. And and I've done it. And oh my God, it's not easy. You know, you just make it harder on yourself. Hey, let me and ask like you, you said, to have your own voice, because I can yeah. admire other writers who have much more beautiful prose than I do. Mine's very frank, because I guess that oh, 10 years of lawyer training is a very... Whatever. You know what? I, I, know. You know, I, I, who I mean, I, I do like a certain kind of prose, too. I, I, I enjoy it. But, you know, you've got to just tell it the way you, it comes out of you. It should sound like you talking only with a little more time, maybe. Right. Yes. That <laughs> exactly. You know, as if, you had, if you could go back and pull out the uhs and the uh. now, I think there's no one way to do it. I, I, you know, I come from a literary background and that's fine. It was it meant a lot to me at the time, but there can be a lot of just sentence admiration and it gets kind of tedious to me. I feel like I don't I'm not a sentence writer alone. I mean, it, a beautiful sentence is nice, but it, it doesn't make a story. It just doesn't. It's, yeah. You know, well, and back to the Fifty Shades, like no one would say that book was a, <laughs> a, a 
example of great sentences, no. but something in her storytelling obviously caught fire with literally 100 million people. It you know what I mean? Crazy. So people can knock her all they want, but she did something better than anybody else, you know? So, you know, I um, saw her. She was so humble about it and so stunned and so shy about the whole thing. It was really fascinating to see because this was nothing she expected to have happen. And she just sort of, yeah. I thought she, when I saw her interviewed, I thought she handled it very well. I thought she was very graceful about it all. Yeah. Um, considering what, because it's such a kind of weirdly like popular and polarizing book at the same time. So I thought she yes. handled it really well. Uh, let me ask you something. That's what I was thinking about before we did this, which is that I teach a, one of the things I love to teach is something called fearless writing. It's really an emotional uh, workshop for the m- many challenges that keep us from writing the kind of stories we want to write and dealing with rejection and all those things. And something that comes up a lot is with o- only with my women students is the issue of because a lot of them have had children or have children and have been this primary sort of caregiver in the family. They're the ones who people go to with their problems and they're the ones who look out for everybody. And that's great. They get a lot of satisfaction from it, but they want to write. They really want to write. And they are having trouble dealing with the fact that they have to go into a room and close the door and no one's allowed to ask them for anything. They feel bad about it. They feel like who I, it makes it may, they feel selfish. They feel as though they it's they don't deserve that time. Uh, did you go through that at all, or do any of your friends go through that? I've coached them through these, but I'm curious to hear your take on that. I personally did not go through that. Um, I don't know if you're Good familiar you. with Myers Myers Briggs, but I'm an INTJ, uh-huh. and I I'm not like a super touchy feely. Uh, person and I've always felt that I have as much right to happiness as anyone else in my house. <laughs> so, Good for you. So, <laughs> so that was not my personal struggle. I mean, sometimes, right. obviously, I, I the time I felt the worst was when I would have like back to back traveling, and I did feel like my husband was being left alone a lot. And you know, there right. was a period there where there was one year where I was literally gone every month. I was away on a big trip, and um, right. so I. Sometimes I feel a little guilt about that, but never about closing the door for several hours a day and saying, this is my work time, you know. Um, uh, But I do know a lot of people do struggle with that. Um, And I do think this is something that fuels actually a lot of women's fiction because, um, you know, women, I think more so than men, when they get married and have families, they do sort of subsume a lot of responsibility for – everything and they kind of give away pieces of themselves and then the kids grow up and you know they get to high school and they don't want anything to do with mom and dad anymore and then they go on and the husband's career goes on and he has a life outside the home and particularly for housewife women that aren't also working moms and have that other self um but even the working moms still usually do the lion's share of the housework stuff so all of a sudden there they are as their kids are growing and leaving and their husband's career is moving on and they're kind of in this no man's land trying to figure out who am I now? You know, who is is this 45-year-old woman who maybe hasn't really fulfilled my own career dreams because of this or, you know, my kids are gone now and that was was what I was doing and now what do I do? So I do know a lot of women who struggle with that too. Sure. And that fuels a lot of stories, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because 
you know, you, you, one of the things about work, I mean, because work is hardly a panacea. You can have work and it can just grind you into dust, you know, if it's the, if it's the wrong kind of work and, you know, there's plenty of people who are miserable from it um, because they're not happy in it and they can feel trapped. But, but it is you being um, appreciated for your skills that isn't just taking care of somebody. It's you right. hopefully being appreciated for some kind, your intelligence, your creativity in some, in some way. And I think it's tough. My wife was just talking about she was doing something online with some woman who was just like, well, I can't wait for the grandkids so I can go back to doing exactly what I've done for the last 25 years. And I thought, God, when are you going to start taking care of yourself, woman? When are you going to let go, say, who am I when I'm not taking care of somebody? Although if if some people take great, you know, I do think there are natural nurturers out there too there who are. do get tremendous satisfaction from that, and I think we all get some satisfaction from that. Sure. But but I did. but I do quite think that there are yeah, but the, I think there are some people who make that choice and are quite content in that role, and I think that's great for them too. I I do think like if that's your jam, um, there great. are. It, it, there it are totally was not. I think there's fewer of them than the ones doing it. I think that they're actually in the minority. I think it's the minority of people who can who are satisfied with that and that only. I mean, I'm sure there are there are some, but I think they're not that many. I think most people need something that they just it comes from them in some way or another. Well, and I think that's the basis of all midlife crisis things, even for men, right? Like you get Absolutely. to a certain age and you think, oh, I'm I'm halfway or more than halfway. Have I lived the life? Am I living the life I want? Are there things I thought my life would be that they aren't? Is there something I'm doing to hold myself back? I mean, I think that's this is all part of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what you can do, Jamie? You can I, – I realize this in my 30s. I'm like, oh, I see. You can just make a game of this. How much can I make? What kind of car am I driving? What's the neighborhood I'm in? And all these things check because I was a competitor. I was into games, and that's how I figure out if I won or not. And then at some point you look up and you realize – Oh, I see. I've got the check, 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 check. Now, that's one of the beautiful things I think about writing is it's never done. It's never over. I suppose you can make a bunch of checklists, but there's always the next book and there's always the next book and there's always the next book. And each one, to me, feels like you're starting kind of from scratch a little bit. Do (laughs) you feel like that? Isn't that so hard, right? You think it's going to get easier as you get more experience. I actually think it gets harder and the pressure to try to, like, I put a lot of pressure on myself always to try to stretch and improve and have each book be better than the last book, you know, and, yeah. but yeah. sometimes I'm like, well, maybe there's just a wall, like, maybe this is as good as I'm ever going to be able no. to do this, <laughs> and I have to just be okay with that. <laughs> so, no, I heard God. you advertising a book about, like, getting rid of doubts, and I was like, oh, I need yes. that book. <laughs> yes, you do. Everyone has what it takes. Hey, you know what one of the premises of it is, which I think is actually interesting for people like you who are experienced and have like are having success is I believe if you believe so, there are creative haves and have nots in the world and even if you decide you're one of the ones who was lucky enough to have the crates who are one of the haves I think it holds you back I firmly believe you want to give it to everybody even though everybody's not expressing it everyone has the potential to express it I firmly believe everyone does have what it takes I believe it completely Jamie I do too. I think it just the the. I think one of the differences is it, there's a certain amount of discipline required to write a book and to oh, yeah. see it through to to withstand the rejections and keep going and and you know the commitment to wanting to do it well. So I think that's 
what separates the people. I think everyone could do it, but not everyone's as interested in going through the painful parts of the process. No. Well, not and everybody so wants to be a writer. I mean, writing, like, right. I could be a musician, but it doesn't, it, it, writing is the thing I'm willing to stay. You know, it's like a, it's like a marriage, Jamie, which is like, if you better, <laughs> if you better love the person, because you're going to argue and they're going to be nice. You're just going to, they're going to drive you nuts. But if you love yeah. them, you'll go through it. So you better love that book because there's going to be some point you hate that book and you're going to get into an argument with it. Right? <laughs> it's always in the yeah, middle that I hate that's the book. Right. <laughs> that's right. Especially if it's novels. That's when you think, why did I start this thing? Uh, Whose idea was this? Couldn't yes. have been mine. All right. So, Jamie, obviously a very interesting person. Now, oh, you're, and now you're writing the sorts of books that people might want to invite you virtually into their living room with their Chardonnay and their good friends. Are you a virtual uh, book group Zoomer? Are you willing to do that? I am. In fact, I'm doing one tonight online ah. um, through in a reader group on Facebook. Hopefully, I can make the technology work. I'm not very tech savvy. So, oh, you will. Hey, we haven't um, even, you know, my fault, by the way, my fault, not even mentioning the, the name of the book. It's For All She Knows. For All She Knows. I'm sorry, I didn't even bring it up. That's the name of the no, book, and no it's worries. a lot of fun, and it's really well written. And it is very engaging from the first page, I have to say. So Thank you. for all she knows, that's the name of the book. And so you do do that. So if people listening want to have you in their home, they, how, do they, how do they get in contact with you? Um, well, you can on my website, um, which is just my name, jamiebeck.com. Uh, there's a contact thing there. You can contact me and ask. I, people who follow my who, – people who subscribe to my newsletter, which you can also do through my website – Sometimes I, I'll say, hey, if anyone wants me to drop into their book club, if you're reading this book, I'm happy to do that on Zoom. Um, and so those are two ways. I'm also on Facebook at Jamie Beck Books is my author page. Instagram, I think I'm writer Jamie Beck. And those would be the, the easiest ways to find me. Excellent. Okay. All right, people, go find her. You, you'll love her. <laughs> Bring her to your living room. You won't regret it. Okay, I got one more question for you, Jamie. I'm not quite done with you. What I want okay. you to do is finish this sentence. If writing Uh-oh. has taught you anything, writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? I guess it's taught me resilience, you know, never give up. Um, that it's never too late to start something new, and if you just don't give up, you will get there at some point. Yeah. which isn't something I always believed when I was young. So Yeah, yeah, it's true. Nothing like experience will teach you that, right? Right. Yeah. The benefit of being in my mid-50s is all ah. this wisdom. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. That's right. That's, we, that's right. I would, you know what, though, Jamie? I wouldn't go back a day. I wouldn't go back a day. No, I wouldn't. I give up all I've learned. No way. No, thank you. Couldn't yeah, I don't, I don't think – I might want to do a few things differently, like parenting well, things. <laughs> yeah, well. If I you – know, you know, practicing yeah. on kids is not the best thing. But, yes, no, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, and I feel much more comfortable in my skin now than I did in my 30s. So that's, ah. that's a good bonus. You and me both, kiddo. You and me both. All right, Jamie, <laughs> you're awesome. Congratulations on the book. Uh, thank enjoy you. Enjoy talking. Hope you have a lot of fun talking to people about it. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's been nice to meet you. My pleasure. Take it easy. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, people, resilience. It's true. Love will make you resilient. Love will make you resilient. Do the thing you love, and you will be resilient. It is true. You're untouchable at that point. Okay, Uh, I will be back again next week with another fabulous guest. I want to uh, thank my producer, RJ Jeffries, and to all of you out there. Well, go find something you love to do, anything. It'll lead you someplace good. It will. So go find something you love to do and do it.